sometimes it's helpful to go back to some basics. Jesus was known to his contemporaries as a rabbi, and a rabbi is a teacher. Jesus was a teacher in the school of love which later came to be known as Christianity. Each of us is a student in the discipline of love, or we could say we are disciples following the discipline of Christ. Unfortunately, the word love in contemporary English means a host of things. We love our cars, certain kinds of music, certain kinds of hamburgers. Those who go to McDonald's are loving it. And so love can simply mean something we enjoy. And it can have less than positive connotations, such as when Donald Trump Jr. says he loved it, referring to gaining damaging information on his father's political opponent. It can also mean romantic infatuation, which we fall into and out of, and it can mean deep affection for family and friends. Jesus meant love in the most broad and non-preferential of ways. He meant agape, which is love for the unlovable, the outcast, the least among us. A better English word for this kind of love is compassion. Jesus was a teacher, and there are two ways we humans learn. First is the incremental way. We have a base of information and keep adding to it. Learning mathematics is a good example. We begin by learning to count, often on our fingers and toes. Then we learn to add and subtract, then to multiply and divide, and then we may move on to algebra and geometry, and perhaps on to calculus and trigonometry trigonometry, and even higher forms of math. The other way we learn is by transformation, and that is a different process altogether. It involves a shift in consciousness. Everything is suddenly different, but nothing has changed. It's an awakening, an enlightenment, an aha moment. It is being born again, a paradigm shift. It's a different process from incremental learning, and it is always preceded by confusion. St. John of the Cross said there were two conversions. The first was the awareness of God, and the second followed the dark night of the soul, which is a time of great confusion when new awareness of God comes, and a person sees the difference between the path of fear and the path of love. It's a radical transformation. One never returns to the old way. But to be transformed, you must first go through confusion. And I need to add that this doesn't happen just once, but over and over again throughout life. T.S. Eliot, using the words of John of the Cross, wrote, In order to arrive there, to arrive where you are, to get from where you are not, you must go by a way wherein there is no ecstasy. In order to arrive at what you do not know, you must go by a way which is the way of ignorance. In order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way of dispossession. In order to arrive at what you are not, you must go through the way in which you are not. Jesus taught his followers compassion, and his method was to teach by transformation. To do this, his favorite tool was the parable. 
A parable is a story that is an open-ended invitation to wonder and confusion. His stories are beautifully told, but their meaning is not revealed. It is for us to ponder. Today's gospel story actually goes on with a conclusion which is an explanation of the parable. But biblical scholars do not believe the explanation came from Jesus. And I did not read it as part of the gospel. I leave that for you to read later. It was probably added by the author of the gospel and perhaps was part of a later oral tradition. Scholars have come to this conclusion because Jesus did not explain his parables. He gave people choices of understanding. Jesus encouraged the freedom of his followers and allowed his listeners to struggle both with their confusion and with their growing comprehension. Rather than tell us his ideas outright, he sets before us a story in which we are to wonder. He tells us a story about a sower going out to sow. The sower was sowing seeds as people in the third world still do. With a basket or bag of seeds, the sower casts seeds in all directions and eventually turns the earth over and hopes for rain. It's a risky business, but it's the way people have farmed since time immemorial. Jesus saw sowers sowing this way, and you can see them still doing it in many parts of the world. Jesus talks about the risks of sowing. He tells about the birds that eat the seeds, the weeds that choke the seeds, the sun that scorches the seeds, and the good soil that nourishes the seeds. The parable invites us in to explore the parts and see how they relate to our lives right now. Where do we find ourselves? Are we the birds, the weeds, the hot sun, or are we the soil? If so, what kind of soil are we? Are we nourishing, nourished, overtilled, exhausted? Or are we the sower? If so, what are we planting? What are we tending or not tending? What are we growing? Or maybe we're the seed. What kind of seed would we be? And what environment are we in? Are we being choked by weeds, parched by sun, devoured by birds? Or are we in good soil and sinking our roots for rich growth. As I said earlier, Jesus is teaching us in the school of love, the school of compassion, which is Christianity. Rob Boyle, a priest and a psychologist who led the interim training ministry I attended, believes there are three components of compassion and Jesus taught us using all three. The first component of compassion is tenderness. We see this in the healing stories of Jesus, in his ready response to heal the sick. We see it in his response to Peter after the denials when Jesus asks Peter three times if the disciple loves him, in effect washing away each denial. We also see it clearly in his treatment of his mother when he was on the cross and pointing to his disciple, John said, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. 
The second component of compassion is fierceness. Fierceness was a response of Jesus in the face of evil. It's the capacity for anger that is redeemed. Anger is a response to evil that looks back, and fierceness is the one that looks forward toward the future. There's less emotion, but there's greater strength. Jesus' response to the Pharisees was fierce. It's most clearly seen when he drove the money changers out of the temple. Fierceness is the quality of compassion that best battles injustice and desecration. The third quality of compassion is an unexpected one. It is mischievousness. It's a strategy for awakening others into new awareness. We see the quality of mischievousness in the parables of Jesus. It's the best way to break down the resistance of his followers by throwing them into a state of confusion. In a sense, the fact that there's an explanation of the parable following this gospel shows that the hearers were confused, that Jesus' effort to confuse had succeeded. Unfortunately, the explanation doesn't allow the confusion to do its work. It gives answers rather than transforming us into new awareness. Jesus wants us to wake up. He wants us to know the living God and not a congenial God of our own making. He wants us to know God and not some popular illusion or idol. Rob Boyle gave some contemporary examples of God that is not God, such as the cosmic police officer, the cosmic bellhop, the slot machine God, the cosmic sob sister, and the Marquis de God. Jesus wants us to wake up to reality, and so he tells a parable. And the parable asks us questions, and questions give rise to more questions. What is God planting? What is planted in my life? What is God calling me to do? What is compassion calling me to do? Have I become more compassionate than I was 10 years ago? If not, who really is my God? Will the real Holy One please stand up? Right now in the life of this church community, there's some anxiety, anxiety about the future, and what the new leadership will bring. I would urge you to remember that Jesus often said, don't be afraid, don't be anxious. He urged us to have faith, to have trust, to know that God is with us, God is in the process. And most importantly, not to sow seeds of anxiety and distrust. In parables, Jesus is seeking to evoke a change. It could be said that he is messing with our minds to open our hearts and grow our souls. It is his best shot at getting around our resistance and giving us a transforming moment that will change our lives. He asks us to ponder and wonder, to stay with our confusion, to go by the way of no ecstasy, to go by the way of dispossession. Listen and let Jesus in. 
Let him tell you a story about your life. A sower went out to sow. Amen.